Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Let's Read the Bible Together reading plan. We also have that plan available on our website, grove.church. And as per the usual, if you have questions while you're reading along in the Bible or you're listening along with us, we would love to take time as much as we can to answer those questions. Or maybe it's just a question that you've been wondering about for a while. We want to take time to answer those questions. So I would encourage you to take a moment and send them in to us. Uh, I would say stop the podcast right now and send it in to us so that you remember to send those questions in. But there's two ways. One, you can send us an email. The uh, email address is info at grove.church. Uh, or you can uh, send us a direct message in our Facebook Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. You can DM us there and we get the questions there as well. So we'd love for you to do that. We do enjoy those questions as they come in. Uh, and today we are uh, actually going to be starting a new book this week, uh, and that's the book of Proverbs. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, right. Oh, you need the app, bro. Some that's of our true. staff members have an app that they are ridiculous with. But uh, so we are starting the book of Proverbs this week, uh, and you're going to find Proverbs is probably one of the most, um, I, I like to use my own little phrase called hiccupy books to read, Ooh. Um, only because it's not necessarily fluid. Uh, it's these quips, it's these thoughts, it's these wisdom-driven pieces of information that are, are really good to challenge to be uh, challenged to read with. Um, and we're going to see that the the whole purpose of robber robbers robbers the whole purpose, purpose of, of robbers is really to take stuff is from to you. take your stuff. It's like Satan. Um, no, the whole purpose of proverbs is about this idea of wisdom. Um, and uh, the the commentary that I read or the the survey I read just uh, talks about the goal is just to describe and instill wisdom in God's people, uh, a wisdom that is founded in the fear of the Lord and that works out the covenant life in a practical everyday situations and relationships. It's one of those books where I think with the vast majority of the Bible, I would say never just take a verse. <laughs> like yeah, right. always look at what the context around it with Proverbs, like, eh, yeah, yeah go ahead. you'd probably be fine. <laughs> Pretty much just, almost. If you yeah, just took ahead. a verse, you'd be all right. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, it's. I think I made a comment last week just about um, taking a verse because I think one of the Psalms we hit was, um, well, I know it was, but one of the Psalms we hit was the idea of wisdom literature a bit, and you can kind of almost pull it out of its its chapter uh, to hit the same thought. And that's that's Proverbs. I mean, pretty much through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find that there's moments where he's like, man, that verse is really good, and it doesn't really relate to the next verse, so you can take it kind of as it stands mm-hmm. on its own. So. Um, Proverbs, the book, entirely is often credited to the to Solomon as its author um, or the collector. I never I never thought about this piece until I read it. But the idea of the author or the collector of its contents, um, include, including the the proverbs that were written by um, and copied by Hezekiah's men, um, and then there's an editor, if you will. Yeah, an editor. It was actually really interesting because. I always remember reading the Proverbs at times like, well, I know Solomon wrote most of these, but I don't know these other guys. Um, but he's the one that kind of put it all together. Um, no, uh, there are two other batches uh, from different groups um, called the Wise and the Oracles of Agur. Um, not a girl, but Agur. Um, Agur. Um, and then there's no author ga- given for uh, the chapter 31, which talks about the uh, excellent wife, uh, Proverbs 31 woman, as some people have remembered it being referred to. So, But there's no author directed for that that specific proverb itself. But Solomon's the guy that kind of collaborated or put it all together, packaged it together uh, for us. Um, the first six proverbs covers an, in, an intro uh, to the entire book. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, to the entire book um, and comes across as a father writing his son. You'll see this in the first handful of proverbs. It's a fun offering instruction to his son. Um, 
And then we find this in the very beginning of Proverbs. And I don't want to get, we're not going to dive into, you'll find over the next several, probably the next several weeks of the podcast, we're probably going to each take a proverb or two and just highlight one uh, that kind of stood out to us or one that we found interesting and wanted to talk more about. So as we're reading through Proverbs, you'll get some of that in the coming weeks. Uh, Today, I just want to kind of give us a, a very uh, big picture overview of Proverbs. And and really the beauty of the book is chapter one, verses one through seven, provide that for us. Um, this is effectively the introduction uh, for the reader to the entire book. Um, and it gives us the framework work with which we can enjoy uh, the, the book properly. Um, and so I'm just going to read it for real quick for us. Um, it says this Proverbs one, verses one through seven it says the proverb, Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding and insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man, let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance, for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and discipline." And so you see right out the gate, Solomon is setting the stage for the following verses and chapters. And his whole heart and the whole purpose of his writing is is described. It's to help understand righteousness and justice and integrity. It's to understand wisdom and discipline. Uh, It's the idea. And I love that verse 7, and this is kind of where he kind of puts the bow on it, right? Uh, But verse 7 just says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and then he makes a statement and you'll see throughout Proverbs, these contrasting statements between the wise and the foolish or the folly, uh, you'll see wisdom personified as a, as a woman, uh, who is in contrast to folly, uh, portrayed as a, uh, a promiscuous woman. Uh, and you'll see this, this ongoing contrast between wise and fool wisdom and folly, um, even purity and, and, and impurity. And so, um, but he says the be- the beginning of fear is 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 wait the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, um, and he says the fools will despise wisdom and discipline, um, and it's very true. And one of the things I remember as a, as a teenager growing up, uh, my youth pastor told me um, the be- like the best thing to do is if I don't know what to read in the Bible, which as a teenager you don't really ever know because it's such an overwhelming book to take a bite of. Uh, he said you can never go wrong with reading some Psalms and a proverb a day. Uh, there's 31 proverbs in the book, uh, and it would always it always play out to every, a proverb a day for every day, um, even those months that don't have 30 days. You have a proverb a day that you can read. So uh, it's it's going to be a really fun read. I think um, it's a like I said, a little hiccupy, a little clunky because it's not as uh, fluid as a normal book that we will have read. Read whether it's narrative or prophetic literature or epistle uh, epistles that have been written by uh, New Testament authors. Uh, it really is kind of a clunky as, as far as how it re- readability, um, but I think it's also really quick sound bites that hopefully you'll find some nuggets to just stop, chew on, and think through. Well, I think with the wisdom literature, pretty much all of the books can be summed up with the phrase, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yep. So I was looking, I was frantically searching to see if that exact phrase was in Song of Solomon, which I did not see it. Um, but with the other four books, the theme is there for sure, I can vouch. So yep. for... Uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. That yep. is a that's a big deal. Uh, well, let's jump into Romans. But before we do, hey, hey, listener, have you left us a 
If you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, that'd be, that sure would be cool. Cool of you to do. So. I, dude, I don't know where. <laughs> hey, listen. All of a sudden, out of nowhere. This is, I think you did it last week and I think this week. I'm curious to see what's going to happen next week. And we don't change up the intro very often. I just, you know, I like. You change up the review spot every now and then. I like personifying the listener because, the, you know, the listeners are real people. But I like, instead of saying the broad listeners, I like to imagine, you know. Hey, you who's sitting there on your computer. Hey, hey listener. And not reviewing us. That's what he's saying. Hey, right Dan. <laughs> and now for the one Dan who's listening, he's like, whoa, whoa. That's what we'll, I'll start using random names. There you go. <laughs> so funny. Anywho, all that to say, uh, no, leaving us a review does help get the podcast out there to more people, grow this community of people yeah. reading the Bible together. So it's really helpful. And it's been interesting because, you know, so obviously we get backend analytics of everything. So um, over the last few months, the Spotify audience has really grown. Yeah. So now it's it's Keep actually it it's actually about half and half people listening on Apple Podcasts and listening on Spotify, which was not the case. Well, but here's for a the long deal: time. there's still a lot of ratings to be left. Okay. That's uh, true. No, I, I'm just kidding. It really, and I, I know I said this last week. I'm going to keep saying it, but it really does just increase the opportunity to to see the podcast community grow as we read the Bible together. We'd love for you to do that. Um, I think I said at the beginning of this year. My goal is to see us hit a hundred. 100 reviews what, what? Uh, on Apple Podcasts. That was the original. And then Spotify came up. Uh, and so I, we're at 69 reviews so far on Apple Podcasts, which I think is awesome, uh, which means we're 31 away from hitting that 100 mark. Would love for that to happen. And I'm going to shoot for the stars. I'd love to see 15, 15 reviews. Um, no, 50, sorry, 15 five-star reviews on Spotify. So we ha- we're at 15 right now. Um, and again, for me, it's not necessarily about the, the accolades, but it's just about the reach. So we'd love for you to do that today. All right. Enough talk of reviews. I know. Sorry. That's not why you're we here. We talk too much about reviews sometimes, but. That's not why you're here, it's listener. You're here for. Me. Romans. Just kidding. Another word that starts with R. <laughs> Actually, you're probably here for the whole discussion. But anyway. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Romans. Romans was a letter written by Paul to the church uh, in Rome. Basically, it had been established, but. Paul had never actually been there, which is kind of interesting. So obviously Paul does, you know, spoiler alert, Paul dies in Rome. So he does eventually, he does eventually know that he does eventually get there, but it's not for, it's not for a little bit. Uh, For the date, it's commonly thought that Paul wrote this in the late fifties and then he makes his trip to Rome in the early sixties. So probably, you know, five-ish years before he goes probably is where we can say this is happening. Uh, And then this is, no exaggeration. This is one of the most historically significant books of the Bible. Yeah, I you could agree. you could argue the most. It's hard. It's weird to put. I don't know if I could put it above the Gospels, but like you could really. You make, almost feel dirty just even saying. Yeah, that. I know. It's yeah, man. But anyway, it's yeah. It's probably the most um, complete systematic theology of the Gospel. Which basically what that means is taking everything that we as Christians believe and condensing it down to a very simple, I shouldn't call Romans simple, but condensing it down to saying, this is what we believe and looking, yeah. at, looking at it from a bunch of different angles. That's what Paul does when it was first written. That's kind of like what the letter was praised for. And then as time has gone on, I found this quote in, um, I believe it was the N.T. Wright books, the New Testament in its world, which is highly recommend this one, really good. Uh, but it says, one can almost write the history of Christian theology by surveying the ways in which Romans has been interpreted, interpreted which is like, it's totally true. Like yeah, when you look true. at like, like St. Augustine, all of a sudden you like, you, when you read through like that big shift in church culture, it's like, well, he's, Romans is at the center of it. Martin Luther famously like read Romans and was like, wait, wait, wait a second. And then boom, Protestantism is born. So um, you can definitely see how 
the book of Romans specifically and, and, and Paul's theology inside of it has really influenced the church over just history. Uh, and then honestly, and this is, this is not an exaggeration. We could spend a year That's in so Romans. True. It is, it is so dense. And I mean that in the, the best way possible, but it is, you could just read it. You could read a verse at a time and just kind of pause and meditate on every single one. Uh, so the way we're going to do Romans is we're going to hit highlights from it. We're not going to try and recap. It's not like the narrative books where we can really just do recaps of chapters upon chapters. In Romans, we really just kind of have to kind of have to pick our battles, as it were. But I will say, listener, as you read through it, do not feel guilty about saying, you know, maybe I need to pause and like reread it or think about this for a second and come back to it. That is. That's totally normal. So, yeah. but it's it's real good. And and the way Paul writes too doesn't help. Uh, and it's not necessarily like not to be not not to be negative about it. But um, Paul writes in such a way where he's presenting not just systematically the gospel, but he's also anticipating responses. He's he's reflecting on questions that he's heard or statements that have been that he's heard that are in, in not in total alignment with the gospel. And so mm-hmm. the way Paul writes is he he's writing not just uh, a foundational piece, but he's writing two or three or four questions ahead. So he's trying to answer those at the same time. So it can get really, really, it's almost like like biblical ADD, you know, AD, it's, it's, it's distracting at times. So going everywhere, yeah. to be able to stop for a second and just reprocess, reread what was just written is a big deal too. So, so make, I would say, make sure you do that. I bring this up often, but Paul is the only biblical author who is reference, referenced by another biblical author saying how hard it is to read. <laughs> so, and that's what Peter, Peter's like, Hey, I've heard you've been reading, you reading Paul. And Peter's not the easiest guy to follow either, but True. definitely easier than Paul. All right. Well, if you remember, beloved listener, last week we talked about Leviticus. And so I think this passage here is a great reminder for us coming out of reading that book. So this is Romans 3, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So pause there for a second. When we say the law, we're talking specifically like this is the first five books of the Bible. So think, think Leviticus when Paul is saying this. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom put forward, uh, who God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, which is just another way to referring to Jews and Gentiles. Uh, Do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Okay. So this is kind of Paul's, again, if we're thinking of Romans as being a systematic walkthrough of what we believe, this is how he's saying the law applies today or what Jesus fulfilling the law looks like. So when he says... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Well, yeah, because Jesus is 
the new, right? Mm-hmm. The new covenant is Jesus. And so now the the old way of, I guess you could say, manifesting righteousness is by following the law. Like the people who could follow the law, the nation of Israel following God, that was the idea of, ma- of righteousness being manifested now. And it was manifested very imperfectly. Um, now through Jesus, it was manifested perfectly. We know Jesus says, you know, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father also. Um, I love the idea for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So essentially, and this is what Paul was getting at in Galatians, right? Is um, the followers of the law are not better than those who didn't follow the law. Like we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all need God's redemption. The new covenant is for the Jews and is for the Gentiles, which is nice because the vast majority of people listening right now are what we would call Gentiles. We're not uh, ethnically Jewish descended down. We're not living in Israel. We are just, you know. It's, I was trying, about to say, I was trying to think of where my family's heritage is from, but you know, it's I don't know, somewhere in Spain. And I think there were dairy farmers in the Netherlands. There's like two halves. So real, real interesting stuff, listener. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Tell and us it, more. Tell us more about those random relatives. Um, and then finally, I think it was just this whole idea of it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And it's this whole idea that... We're, not, we're no longer justified by following the law. Now it's not a list of things to do and to not do, but we're justified because Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Yep. And now we're justified not through action, but through faith. And there's a balance to that as well, because I think James is a really good companion letter to Romans where it's like, you know, faith that not works is dead. Or in other words, like if you say like, I have faith, but it doesn't, like you're not bearing fruit, there's a whole other issue there. But uh, at least for today in Romans, we're talking about the idea of we're justified through faith. I should say justified is a, is a way of referring to the idea that um, we stand before God and our sins are forgotten, essentially. So just, it's, it's a really crass way. I'm trying to, I've been working on figuring out a different way to put it because I really hate it. But for now, um, essentially justified means we can go to heaven. We can have eternal relationship with God. And then sanctification is a funny way of, not funny way, it's a, the long form of saying that every day we become more and more like Christ. We become uh, better and better Christians. We become more, more, more morally upright. All right, well, second passage. Hey, listener. Remember last week in Leviticus when we talked about those peace offerings? In Romans 5, it says this, <laughs> Therefore, since we have just been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into, the, into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person he would even dare to die. But God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So yeah, those old offerings in Leviticus where it talks about, we're specifically making this offering as a peace offering Mm -hmm. to God, to be thankful for the peace that we have in God. Well, now... Jesus is that final offering of that final, st- that I guess, I don't know what, we, what you want to call it, that final stake in the ground of, no, we have eternal peace with God. Um, 
I love it. And it's the same, it's the same idea of where we have that peace by faith. Yeah. We have that peace by the grace that God has given us. So really cool. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's a meme that goes around where it's Yoda and he does the whole like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering and suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces they just do the Romans thing right afterward. And so basically it's like, yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a classic. It's not going around enough then. Yep. Um, but here's the, here's another thing I love about it. The old covenant is kind of based on this idea of Israel upholds their half. God upholds his half. And the new covenant is while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. And I want to be very careful because God is not an unmerciful God. Like Yahweh in the Old Testament is so slow to anger with Israel. Um, but there is this idea that eventually they are going to earn their way out. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. The fall of Jerusalem and the exile is essentially God saying, all right, you clearly don't want any part of this. So fine. I'm just going to let whatever happens, happens. Um, here we we get this really cool picture where Jesus reaches down and saves us while we were still sinners. That the cross is about not us on our best days, it's about us on our worst day, which is, I don't know, I just think that's a really powerful thing to keep in mind. It's a really powerful encouragement. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, the last highlight I'm going to give today in the first 10 chapters is thinking on what is to come. And this is in Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I just think it's it's such an important theme really throughout all of scripture. Like we talked about the wisdom literature at the end of Ecclesiastes, what's the the main advice that he gives? It's remember your creator in the days of your youth. Or in other words, keep keep perspective. Yeah. And this is what Paul's encouraging us here is that we we keep perspective on what is coming, what is eventually going to happen. But I also love this I love this picture that he paints of the whole story is leading up to this moment. He says creation groans like as in childbirth, as if like, and if you've ever, you know, I don't know why I'm saying if you ever, as if I have been in the room, but from what I, from what I hear <laughs> listeners, uh, it's intense. Your, your, your time will come. <laughs> there you my go. friend. Yeah. Um, but it's, this, it's this whole picture of kind of everything in creation, everything in the world is leading up to the return of Christ and the remaking into the new heaven and the new earth. And so for us, it's something to always keep, it's something to always keep in perspective because I think this is where a lot of people get in trouble because there's this idea that, and it's, it's, it gets, 
it gets purported by the worst among us as far as like Bible teachers go. But this idea that, yeah, once you become a Christian, basically nothing but bad things, nothing but good things start happening to you. Like, it's great. It's just rainbows and unicorns and gumdrops and candy yeah, canes. Yeah, you just, money falls from the sky. You don't have any more problems. Like, no, that is not. That hasn't been your experience? Yeah. It's been mine. No, I'm just kidding. That is not the if promise. Of, that, yeah, that is not the promise of scripture. And I love what Paul says in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Or in other words, it's not saying there's no more suffering. It's saying that when we have that eternal perspective, when we keep in mind what God is doing, the story of history that he is telling, the sufferings that we walk through in this present life pale in comparison to the glory of getting to have perfect relationship mm -hmm. with God on the other side of eternity. But the other side of that too is like, I mean, you, you haven't, I know you haven't had a child yet. Your wife hasn't had a kid yet. Accurate. Um, and I, my wife, we've had three. Um, and so there is something to be said about that, the, the, the beautiful switch that happens, um, from the moment of birth to the pains and the, the groanings and the, the delivery of that moment. And it's something that I don't think I ever thought about until just a few seconds ago when you were talking, but this idea in verse 18, where just to reiterate it for a second, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. I think that's really important to understand because the beauty of the gospel is that there's something to be promised and, and experienced now, but it, it's, it's a very small glimpse and a, and, and a very small snapshot of what will be. And I can tell you this with the different ways, without going into details about the way, you know, the pregnancies and the deliveries. We had our kids in three different ways. One was a C-section. One was a, a natural birth after C-section. They call that a, a V-back. One was a test tube. Well, no. <laughs> um, and my wife had an epidural with, with my second child. The third child, we didn't have an epidural. We did most of the labor at our house because we'd never tr contr done contractions or timed contractions. I have a screenshot of the stopwatch on my phone because I was finally for the first time tracking them. And they were so sporadic. But we didn't have time for... Uh, an epidural. So she had a natural birth with no pain meds, nothing. And and the significance, and, and the why I say all that, and, and I'm sorry if it's bothering you or whatever, but the, consider the present sufferings are not worth comparing. Oftentimes we look at our lives like, man, is this really worth it? Paul is telling us it's not going to be worth comparing because the the glory that's coming, the glory we're going to experience far surpasses what we are presently walking through. And the same thing goes with our sufferings. I think it's really important to, 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 to catch a glimpse of the gospel in the sense of like, God, everything I'm going through is nothing compared to what I'm, what I'm inheriting. Um, and it's, it's just such a, so for me, for whatever reason that that phrasing pre, this present time are not worth comparing is so profound. Uh, as I reflect back on my, my wife giving, uh, birth to three of my children, to my three kids, that's all I have. To um, three out of the ten. So, but it is, and that's part of the gospel. It's part of Romans. It's part of the systematic approaches to understand what's coming. We live in light of eternity and in response to what's coming in eternity. And whether you like it or not, you're going to step into eternity one way, shape, or form and, and either be welcomed into uh, an incredible 
paradise with our heavenly father, or you're going to be rejected because you've rejected God himself. So um, it's a beautiful picture, but it's really, really thought provoking. So that was a ran- random rabbit trail that I thought that I had that I, I wanted to share. So um, we're also going to, just like we've talked over the last few weeks, there's going to be some Psalms trickled in throughout the week that will somewhat loosely connect to the reading that you're going through. Um, and so this week, we're actually going to be reading through four Psalms. Uh, so I just want to walk through them real quick, give us a quick uh, highlights of what to expect with them, and then uh, we'll wrap up this podcast. Um, but we'll read Psalm 78, Psalm 33, Psalm 100, and Psalm 32 this week. Uh, psalm 78 is a historical psalm that is going to be recounting events from Israel's past that show how God has persevered with his people. And I think it's important to catch that with his people um, who, uh, even when they've disbelieved him and they've not followed suit with him, God has persevered with us. Um, and at the same time, he's cleansed his people by purging them of the unbelievers along the way. Um, the events of this psalm uh, range from the Pentateuch, which is things we've already alluded to, Leviticus that we we will have read or would have read, finished this last week. It, it covers Pentateuch, he covers Joshua, Judges, Samuel, ends with David. Um, and the purpose of recounting these events we're going to find is so future generations that you and me today of God's people might take lessons to heart. Uh, and that way we particularly won't become unbelieving and rebellious like those described in this psalm. So um, it's not just a historical account, but it's a, hey, uh, God's people they, the unbelievers were removed from the, the 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 people of God and don't do what they did. So don't be unbelieving, don't be rebellious, but trust God and be patient. Um, Psalm 33 is a hymn of praise to God who makes all things. Um, he rules all the things for his purposes and who has chosen uh, a people to be his own for the sake of the whole world. That's what Psalm 33 is. So it's just a simple rejoicing um, and a thankfulness to that. Psalm 100 is a psalm of giving thanks and celebrating God's kingship. Um, this is, it's interesting. There's a, there's a, a, a handful of Psalms, Psalm 29, 93, and then Psalms 95 to 99 that are called the King's kingship Psalms. Um, and in essence, it's just celebrating God's kingship. It's, it's, it's rejoicing in his kingship. And this Psalm in Psalm 100 kind of wraps that up, even though it doesn't directly uh, worship God for his kingship, it kind of ties it. It's like a nice little bow at the end of these. Um, and so you'll see some similarities between Psalm 95 and 100, uh, but it is, it's just part of that kingship uh, uh, genre or whatever that theme, if you will. And then Psalm 32 is usually classified as a Thanksgiving hymn. Uh, worshipers give thanks to God uh, f- for the joy of having their sins forgiven, which again is a really great way to end um, the reading uh, for that day. And even this week, it's, it's something I think we should always be practicing uh, week over week. Uh, is just remembering our the salvation and the forgiveness of sins that God has given us. And so um, that that's it for, for what we're going to read the Psalms, uh, just to give you a quick snapshot of what those look like too. All right. Well, one quick question that came in this week, and I think, I think this will just be a quick little rapid fire, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, Aaron, because we haven't talked about this before. Uh, why do some Bible translations have red letters? What do you think about them? What do you think about the what do you think about red letter Bibles? Red letter Bibles. Um, some of them have translations because those, in essence, mark and indicate words that Jesus has spoken. Um, and so I don't know why they all don't. I actually think it was a, it was a fairly new mo- a modern idea as just as a way of distinguishing. Yeah, it's not very old. Um, to be able to, to differentiate between what words were just said uh, or written versus what words actually came out of the mouth of Jesus when he was on this earth. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in, I like just the good, clean full black letters across the board. Really? I do. I'm not a big red letter guy. You're weird, bro. But here, here's my one weird stance. This is why I was curious if we were going to sync up on this or not. Um, I feel like all the letters of God should be red letter. 
You know what I mean? See, I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't agree think, you don't think so? Okay. I was like in the old Testament, like, why isn't it like when it's actually God speaking, why don't we red letter that stuff? Why is it specifically Jesus in the gospels and that one part of Acts? Because Jesus matters more than God. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Sorry. Just kidding. No, um, no, in that degree. Yeah. I actually think it would be kind of fun to, and a nuance to have that. Um, but, uh, I do, I mean, I, I read a Bible, I have a, a translation or a version, not a translation, a version of the Bible is called the Jesus centered Bible, which actually has uh teal colored old Testament scriptures Ooh. that allude to, or point to the coming Messiah, which we can make the argument. All of scripture should be pointing to the Messiah, um, which is inaccurate, but it can be, I understand the argument. Um, but it, but it, it still, I think it still has the red letters of Christ, the words of Jesus actually spoken. And I would say probably the reason, the difference between the two, as I'm just processing now, is um, the words of Christ were actually verbally spoken by Jesus himself, um, by an actual being, a actual person. So the difference would be, this is what God has said to me, and so I'm communicating that to you, uh, versus this is what we know for a fact verbatim what came from Christ. True. So I think that would be the only nuance, but I actually, I actually would agree with you. It'd be fun to be able to see, or I would like to see scripture that is highlighted a different color that would have been God speaking in the old Testament. Cause it just helps differentiate. Cause if you're anything like me, when I read the Bible, I get distracted and I kind of forget who's saying what at what time. So to have that difference is a big deal for me. You said it's called the Jesus centered Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. I actually, that's I I hadn't you have, we haven't talked about that before. But that sounds interesting. You didn't know so, I got that? No, Dude, I got that. So it's like pastor. all the that's all, what I preach from when I was youth pastor. Like, so it's got just got teal with the parts where it like in the Old Testament. And, it yeah. shows it shows highlights of this passage. Oftentimes is, is referred to the coming Messiah, and it'll kind of have some little notes to it. With gotcha. It like in the Elihu passages of Job. Maybe yeah. Well, that wraps it up. This listener. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember reading Joe Bennett, but <laughs> that wraps it up uh, for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only resource of the Grove Church. You can log on to our website, grove.church, and check out all of our resources there. They're on the media tab. Um, as well as if this podcast has been a financial blessing to you, not a financial, I keep messing that up. If this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially contribute to the ministry of the Grove Church, you can do that by clicking the give button in the upper right hand corner. But hey, thanks for listening. Listen, if it's been a financial blessing to you, awesome. I don't know how, True. but we're not giving any money. So, but anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you next week.